Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Welcome back to another episode of the Surge Strength Podcast, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Wow. I get a lot of questions about dryland, and I think if I could put it in one bucket of what is by far and away the most popular questions we get is about periodization. And in the next few episodes upcoming, I'm actually going to answer some questions that we're actually getting through emails and through also people that are in uh, the Surge Strength Dryland certification, because there's just so much, I don't know if it's confusion or just not sure what to do. And I get it. Look, the periodization rabbit hole is a big one (laughs) that you can go down. I know I've gone down it many times, but instead of doing that for the intro here for this episode, I wanted to kind of circle back and, and take the big picture view. What's really the point of periodization? And if if you know anything about what you're doing in the water training, you could probably answer that question pretty well. But on dry land, sometimes it may get a little bit more confusing. So I want to just narrow in on that. And so for periodization, and specifically, I'm talking about dry land here, even though, of course, periodization, we could talk about it in the water and dry land, pretty similar on a lot of levels. But it's all about continuous improvement. And you get that by changing the stimulus, because the body is a living breathing, growing organism. And if you do the same thing to it, it's going to get used to it. And at some point, it's going to not adapt as much as it did at the start. You think about you're so sore after you do your first workout, but you're not as sore probably if you did the same workout 20, 30, 40, 50 times in a row. So it's about changing the stimulus. And how much or how often or by how much you change the stimulus really relates to your athlete's training history and other factors. And we go into this really in depth when you're going through the surge strength dryland certification. But I want to kind of slow you down for a little bit too if you're worried about periodization. If you're not concerned or aware of, you know, what's the five movement categories you're regularly programming in your dryland? If you have no idea if your ratios are balanced or even what constitutes the ratios and and what does balance look like? Honestly, periodization is not the question you need to be asking yourself when it comes to dryland. Kind of, you know, first things first, right? First things first is, are you actually doing movements from the five movement categories? Are your ratios balanced? If you can say yes to both those things and you know what I'm talking about, then we can have a more in-depth conversation about periodization because it's actually going to benefit your program. But if I was to paint out all these elaborate ways for you to periodize your program, to lay it out with all these different phases, how you're going to you know, taper down from this phase and go into this phase, and you don't have your ratios balanced between a push and a pull or a squat and a hinge, or you're not regularly putting all five, five movement categories into your dryland program, guess what? It's not going to affect it, the periodization help I give you, because your program doesn't have a solid foundation of some of those things. So make sure that you're keeping to the basics first before you go down the rabbit hole and try to dive into periodization. So for those of you that still want to learn about periodization, you're still making sure you understand the basics. We just had an article go up on SwimSwim. I think it was about a week ago or so now. It is Simple and Effective Dryland Periodization Planning 
for fast swimming. And as of course, always, if you go to the main homepage of SwimSwam, go to the training header, uh, you'll find us right down there on the menu, the surge strength dryland training, and you can find all our articles there as well. But that's a good read too. And we break down a couple of three basic types of periodization, linear block and undulating periodization. But the big thing is I don't want you to get overwhelmed about periodization. And I want to make sure too, you have other things set up in your dryland program first before you're even worried about periodization. I would much rather have a long conversation with you or just make sure you understand the five movement categories, balancing your ratios. Those are much more important things in my mind to the success of your dryland program than if you're having an effective periodization. That'd be one of the first things I would change. I would say, don't even worry about periodization. Do the same workout for the entire year for all I care. If you just put your emphasis on having five movement categories and balancing your ratios, I feel that's a much better win and going to help your athletes more because remember the point of dry land isn't to make your swimmers Olympic weightlifters. And so in some ways, periodization doesn't matter that much. It's more about making sure your swimmers are healthy, strong, they're mobile, they're balanced, and then they can work harder, longer, more consistently in the water so you can actually get faster. So that was just on my mind lately, especially we put out that article recently on Swim Swim. And so I thought for inside the Surge Strength Academy section on the episode today, we'd go over the big three phases of periodization that we teach in the Surge Strength Dryland Certification. And if you're not already enrolled, become Surge Strength Dryland Certified with coaches from all around the world, all these countries. We're making sure we have transcripts in there because people, English is their not their first or even second language, which is awesome that we're helping that many coaches out there. So if you haven't checked it out, make sure you go to our homepage, surge-strength.com. Scroll down to the academy section. There you'll find the free Dryland 101 course that you can just enroll for free. Check them out. And those are pulled directly from the Surge Strength Dryland Certification. So inside the Surge Strength Academy, it's pulled right from the certification. It's actually videos when you're in the academy, but for podcast, obviously, we're just doing the audio part. I'm talking about the three big phases for periodization. And then in Dryland Talk section of the episode, we're going to replay a portion of a really great interview I did a while ago on the Swim Coaches Base podcast or other podcasts that we've been doing for a number of years now with Jamal Hill. And Jamal's just an awesome swimmer. He has an awesome story. So make sure you go back and find that episode on the Swim Coaches Base podcast and listen to the whole thing. But there was a clip that I felt really fit well here in the Surge Strength podcast. And he talked about being a peaceful warrior and how that corresponded to his training and mindset. I just thought it was it was really good. So that's what we have in the dryland section of this episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. Inside the Surge Strength Academy. The big three phases is what I'm going to be covering in this lesson. So what I'm referring to in the big three phases is what I alluded to in the previous lesson about if we narrow it down I really think it's best if athletes are just rotating through strength, strength power, and power predominantly. There may be cases where you want to go off and do an endurance phase or a power endurance phase or even need to do unloading for a few weeks. That's fine. But 90% of dryland programming should be spent inside one of these three phases. Just keep it simple. Keep it effective. Strength, strength power, power. Remember in the previous lesson, you can download this PDF to go into more detail on 
the load, reps, volume parameters to make sure you're staying within those phases. I want to talk about these a little bit more and how you should program based on the type of athletes that you have. Now, if we were to break these down further into between the three phases, the strength phase should be what most often athletes are in. Strength power second most, and then power least often. So what that looks like, let's say we are programming um, just for eight weeks or so, and we'll actually get to an even more detailed one in a second. But just in general, strength phases, you're going to last four to six weeks. Strength power, two to four weeks, and power, one to two weeks. Now, again, you could go off one direction or another, and there's reasons for that. But in general, think about it in kind of that pyramid as well. That Strength is our base, right? Then strength power and then power in terms of the phases and how we're going to rotate through it. So don't get definitely don't do the inverse unless you have a really extreme athlete and case. But what I wouldn't do is flip this where you're rarely in strength, most often in, in strength power, and then most often in power. Don't don't flip that. But what is going to depend on how you do the phases is what's the athlete's experience. And so if we have a new athlete, brand new, they haven't done much of any dryland training. And what I would think of that as a structured dryland training. So especially when we have teams or individuals that come to us to do our surge strength programs that we do deliver online with our dryland certified coaches, if they've been, you know, exercising, that doesn't really count. I want a structured program because that means the body's used to adaptation, stimulus, change, actually going through those phases. So that's really what I care about in terms of are they experienced or not. So you could have a swimmer very decorate in terms of uh, what meets they're at, what they've won, their times, but they still could be very new to dry land. And the inverse as well. You could have a very new swimmer, but let's say they've been weightlifting or doing lots of actual structured strength training for years now, they would end up being a more experienced athlete. So don't confuse it with what their swimming level is. It's really what have they been doing on land when it comes to weights and resistance training and actual structured programs. So the newer athlete, they need less phase rotation and they need much more strength phase. Whereas the more experienced athlete, you could do much more phase rotation and we'll show you the difference soon and what that looks like. And you can end up being more balanced on the phases or maybe even going to a little bit of the extremes there. So if we were to break this down into an eight-week beginner program, I would usually go four weeks of strength, then three weeks of strength power, and then only one week of power, and then back around. And the reason for this is, if their strength level isn't very good, then why am I trying to work power? Because they don't have that much strength to begin with, and power by definition is how fast can we use that strength? So that's why I push it more to trying to stay in the strength phase as much as possible and even the strength power. And yeah, they're getting a little bit of power out of the strength power as well. So if you look at it in that eight weeks, they're still getting four weeks of at least some power. So it's not like I'm all, you know, seven weeks of strength and only one week of power, but I would more rely on the strength power phase than just the power phase, especially for a beginner. The other thing too is most exercises that you would use in a power phase are just a little bit more complex by nature or they're more demanding on the body in terms of the muscles having to absorb those forces from plyometric or explosive exercises. So all of these factors make sense that strength should be the predominant phase that a beginner should go through 
and then tapering down as they work through the power phase. Whereas a much more experienced swimmer, I might break it down in terms of only two weeks at strength, then two weeks at strength power, two weeks at power, and then even cycle back to strength power again for two weeks. So that'd be a much more experienced athlete that I knew had a a good strength base. And if we're trying to push a little bit more towards power and strength power for whatever reason, whether it be their particular event or what we need them to continue to improve it. So you can see that's a really big difference from the beginner. You can see it's very linear, steady, big chunks versus the experienced one. Man, every two weeks we're changing. And sometimes I've had athletes where even every session in a week we change through these phases as well. So the more experienced, the more often I'm changing the phases, the less experienced, the less often I'm changing them. And for this new athletes, it really comes down to a competency factor as well. I don't want to change so often that they're not able to get used to the exercises. And really from that, they're learning how to focus, how to have intensity. And I feel like strength is a skill. And that's sometimes forgotten about that. The athlete needs to learn, okay, if I'm clutching that bar for a bench press or pulling myself up for a pull-up or doing a push-up, thinking about the rigidity and the strength that goes through their whole body and not just the extremity or their arm. That takes focus. That takes just time. And so I would rather the athlete work on things like that because that's a skill. And if we remember the brain talking to the motor units, they can increase strength that way. So I'd much rather have the athletes focus on that in terms of learning all these new exercises and jumping from phase to phase. Whereas the experienced athlete, you're going to need to do that because they're well past the point of diminishing returns where we could just do a steady step type program. They're beyond that. And so we need to change it a lot more often, whether that's every session or every week or every few weeks. And so you need to be changing the stimulus much more often with experienced athletes. And that's the time where you can really be much more specific. For athletes that were trying to make the Olympic team and go to Olympic trials and have the the swim of their life, we were extremely specific in how we were programming for them. Versus the 11 and 12 year olds who are just trying to get a little stronger, do a few pull-ups, that's a whole different in terms of we're looking at much more general and focusing on strength and them learning the skill of strength as well. So that's how I would break down the big three phases. Remember, rotating through them, and it really depends on how experienced the athletes are in terms of how often I'm rotating through. That does it for this lesson. Dryland talk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, to be quite frank, even with even in training, or when I reach that point of like that pain threshold, um, you know, easy. When we talk about easy speed. A lot of it is coming into this mind state of, of the peaceful warrior. Mm. Um, so even when I'm in training and, you know, our, my dryland training has been on crazy lately. Um, even when I'm in training and being pushed, I'm still drawing back into that peaceful warrior. You know, like, yeah, I'll grunt, I'm sweating, I'm dredging it out. But I'm thinking about perfection. I'm thinking about you know, not even focusing on one at a time, you know, thinking about perfection, focusing on one at a time. Um, you know, I'm obviously always thinking about, okay, I'm doing this to be number one in the world, but that peaceful warrior mentality, I think is what most readily translates into easy speed when you're racing. You know, it's, it's not for me, at least 
it's not about like taking, you know, don't get me wrong. I take my pre-workout, but it's not about taking a ganger pre-workout and like getting hyped and smacking myself and all these things to get riled up. Um, for me, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's kind of like that tiger, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I work all day. I'm trying hard all day, but I'm very, very, very quiet. Right. When it comes time for that hunt, right. You, you, you won't know or hear me until it's too late. Um, and so that's exactly how it is when I'm in the, when I'm in the heart of the hardest training, training sessions, I get quiet, man. I go inside and I dig deep. Um, and I'm just kind of reverent. I try and find gratitude in this rep, every single rep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing more chips and dip, baby chips and dip. Um, and anybody who does dryland training knows, the stronger you are on dry land combined with your knowledge and technical skill, it's, it's going to make you have to try less in the water, right? If, if I can easily lift 100 pounds as opposed to someone who is going to be straining to lift 100 pounds and we both have the same technical swimming skill, I'm going to be faster because I'm able to move more weight with less effort. Jamal, you're living up to your sprinter <laughs> mentality. Of, we're coming strong in this podcast story. All right, there's already a couple of rabbit holes I need to go down here before I keep saying I'm going to get to your story. We'll get to there eventually. So the, the, this peaceful warrior thing. Yes, sir. I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I think it can connect it. And I've never made the connection between that and easy speed. But when you say mm-hmm. that, I'm just like, that That absolutely makes sense. So if, if a coach is listening or a swimmer's listening – and they're like, okay, I kind of maybe get the easy speed, but how does this peaceful warrior thing fit in? Like, how do I do that in training? How would you coach someone to start to approach it with that type of mindset? Or, or how do you get in that mindset of a peaceful warrior while you're in intense training? Yeah, um, so, and let me, let me go ahead and say this for everybody. A lot of my peaceful warrior mentality, it's really, I'm a sprinter, right? So, like, even my swimming is mostly lactate sets. Mm. Um, you know, I do have a Vasa trainer, so I'm able to, like, you know, I'm able to – I don't even want to call it cheating, but I'm able to get more <laughs> meters, more more distance meters on that um, than actually in the pool. But when I'm in the pool, it's mostly lactate sets, so it's still very similar to what I do on dry land in terms of plyometrics and calisthenics and things of that nature. I digress. Um, this, this peaceful warrior mindset – how I coach that, um, how I coach that really is, is you know, and again, and no, nothing is perfect, so there may be a better analogy for you. But most everyone, especially in American society, like, they're familiar with this, uh, this uh, stigma or archetype of the kung fu master, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of this old dude or, or this old lady with all this white hair, you know, a long beard or something like that. And somehow, like, this old, elderly, most times, like, Asian individual has become such a master at martial arts that even in their 70s, you know, um, they're going to be able to, to pretty much beat any competitor, right? Doesn't matter how mm-hmm. strong they are. Doesn't matter if they're, you know, 50 years younger. Um, and none of that is taken into account. And when we see this battle plays out, right, we see the younger, most times younger opponent you know, trying to fully exert all of their physical strength, right? And with grace and ease, the master just sidesteps, you know, (laughs) and sidesteps and spins each attack, right? Without even breaking a sweat. You know, land jumps up and lands on top of 
a fist that has been thrown at them, right? Um, so this is the type of in- imagery that I try and give to myself. Um, this is the type of imagery that I try and give to myself when I think of easy speed. Um, so it, it really comes down to, number one, a level of not only understanding of, you know, w- what it is that you're here to accomplish, right? Um, cause, and pretty much straightforward, what we're here to accomplish is to get from this side of the pool to that mm-hmm. other side of the pool as fast as possible, <laughs> whatever that distance in between is. Right. Um, and so, again, j- just like m- much with a kung fu, fast, kung fu master fight, there's going to be different ways to do that, right? There's going to be some people who are very successful just gritting it out. There are going to be some people who are successful, you know. Um, there's a million different ways to through, through this success. Uh, but I think when we start to reach that true level of mastery, it's going to be when we, number one, have that, that, that convergence of understanding of our goal, understanding of ourselves and our bodies and where we are in relation to that goal, and understanding what is right for our training, understanding that, like, the mamba mentality and, you know, getting up at 5 a.m. and training again at 10 a.m. and training again at 2 a.m. and training again at 8 p.m. is not going to be right for everybody. Um, you know, getting more into this, it's really a journey, man. You know, like, how do I tell someone who's not a Kung Fu master what it means, you know, <laughs> to have the peace and reverence of a monk, right? Like, you know, uh, it's going to be a practice, but I hope this is just starting to open up that door. And if I may just say this one little thing here, I think in the sport of swimming, um, what a lot of our younger swimmers and coaches, older swimmers and coaches, can appreciate and can see this coming through is as we see older and older athletes dominating in the Olympics, in the sport of swimming. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I mean when I talk about a state and a level of mastery, a state and a level of not only muscle maturity, but muscle awareness. Um, You know, so I think one of the best people to do it is definitely Anthony Irvin, you know, a peaceful master of all all beings, even Caleb Dressel, um, you know, as a younger athlete, I think uh, it's starting down that, that road to mastery. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's tough, right, to really just kind of give it to them in a, in a nutshell. Um, but, you know, I definitely offer you to offer our, the listeners an opportunity to do some tertiary reading, things like The Slight Edge. Um, readings actually like the, the Peaceful Warrior is actually a movie, and it's, uh, I, I believe it's a series. Um, so... I hope that I hope that I hope I gave you something of value there. No, that's great, Jamal. <laughs> I almost feel like with you being a sprinter and that's the main focus that you're definitely efficient in your training, right? Like you said, you're yes, not sir. trying to get in extra yards just to do more. And I feel like sometimes on on dry land, swimmers or swim coaches will feel like, hey, if they're not sweating hard, if the tongue's not hanging out, if we're not just running around doing a bunch of reps, it's not worth it. I almost feel like that's even another level to get to the peaceful warrior especially on dry land, right? Where it's yeah. we're really intentional in what we're doing and what we're doing there needs to then transfer to what we're trying to accomplish in the water. And you know, Chris, we can sum that up. You hit it with one word. It's all about intention. You got to mm-hmm. be intentional. Um, you know, so it doesn't matter. Bruce Lee said it best, right? Um, you you want to pretty much whatever you hear, you, you want to take what most applies to you and then you want to even make that inherently your own. Right. Um, so it doesn't matter if the fastest person in the world has this specific 
10-week program. Uh, me, personally, I'm going to check out the program. I'm going to do it, but also have enough awareness and understanding of myself to adapt that program to my needs and to my intentions as necessary. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing there, just being intentional, especially with dry land, you know, uh, it, it's not about just beating the pavement, you know, just like swimming. It's not about just beating the water. Right. That's, that's right. not how we reach a level of mastery. All right. You want to, you want to learn to break a brick. I, w- I would not advise you to just go and start practicing punching a brick wall. Um, <laughs> sure. That might be a way to do it. You know, might one day, you know, your, your fist will be callous enough and you may even punch through it. But um, I would say that, with a plan and even consulting with someone who, who has experience, who is a master, it's going to be able to put you on a, on a much more probably streamlined and more efficient track um, to having that breakthrough as opposed to, again, just like beating your fist against the wall um, day in and day out. And yeah, you're doing the work, you're doing the grinding. Um, but at some point you have to ask yourself, yeah, I'm putting all this out, but what am I getting back? Okay. A lot of people mm-hmm. get it twisted and think like, you know, making it is just about putting in the work. Like, as long as I just put in work, like, yo, you can put in plenty of work. You can go on a 10K run every day, but that's probably not going to make you a hell of a swimmer, right? Exactly. So we need to be intentional about what we're doing and making sure that however much work we put in, um, you know, we're seeing a visible return. Uh, unfortunately, in my career, you know, I've had ups and downs, like, through high school, through college. Um, I, I've literally felt the amount of time that I've wasted or, you know, I guess in this sense learned um, through programs and things like that, that just didn't work for me. That just weren't, weren't exactly what I was looking for. Hadn't adapted, hadn't grown. Um, So, you know, time is of the essence. Energy of the, is of the essence. These are finite commodities. So the more intentional you can be and the more intentional people you can have around you, um, especially once you get that synergistic energy flowing you're going to see not only your, your status as a coach elevate because now it's not just you, but you have a support system in your actual team and athletes. But even then, as an athlete, the support system that you will have from your coach and from your other teammates um, was just, again, strong intention, knowing that what we're doing is producing results. Um, that's what it comes down to. Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your dryland IQ. Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.